Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. And now, and now, it's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal, because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees, and Aaron Savage. Oh yeah! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We are your hosts. This is Aaron Savage. With me, as always, my partner in crime right over there, Mr. Jason Voorhees. What's going on, Jay? What's up, brother, man? Not much, man. Uh, good to see you. Before we get started, as always, I want to give a shout-out to our number one sponsor, La Terrain Watches. Um, these are the most beautiful handcrafted watches on the market, especially at the price point. you got to check these watches out. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up, guys. Come on. Check it out, ladies. Check it out for your men. Valentine's Day. Go to their website, laterrain.com. That's L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. You're going to use our promo code SNM at checkout. That's the letters S-N-M, as in sports and metal, and you're going to save 10% off your purchase. So check them out, Laterrain Watches. Anyway, brother, um, good to see you. I guess the first thing we should say here is um, – we lost a very, very important person in the metal world this past week, Mr. Johnny Zazula. Um, Johnny is a legend in the thrash metal world and metal world in general. Um, I'm a Jersey guy, so Johnny Z is like, you know, a legend in New Jersey. He, I, I grew up right near the Route 18 flea market in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Johnny Z, he, he, a lot of people don't realize he worked on Wall Street in his earlier days. Some shit went down. That didn't last. But he ended up running a flea market. Um, well, not running a flea market, running a record store out of the East Brunswick flea market. Um, <clears throat> basically sold uh, initially all kinds of stuff, but found there was a real niche for like imported heavy metal music, stuff like that. And then he got really involved in the tape trading scene. Somebody brought him a Metallica demo. Uh, he used his own money, $1,500 to finance Metallica to come from San Francisco to New Jersey um, on a, in a U-Haul, and then he started Megaforce Records to self-finance Metallica's first record, Kill Em All. The rest is history. Metallica became the biggest metal band in the world. Johnny Z also signed the likes of Anthrax, Overkill. Uh, the guy's a legend. Um, his influence can't be overstated. Uh, rest in peace, Johnny Z, Johnny Zazula. Jay, I don't know if you have anything you want to add. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously... Uh... I'm not as close to the scene as you, as you obviously living up there, but you know, I, I can vividly remember, you know, you talking to me earlier, you know, when, when we were younger about Johnny Z and obviously since then I've done more research on him and, and obviously, you know, he's obviously known for like Metallica, but he's, it's so much more than Metallica. Like, honestly, like that's why I want to really read the book. I want to read his book 
because I I just know there's so much more to his story. Obviously, you know, yes, Metallica was the biggest thing that came from Johnny Zazula, but there's like so many other people that he helped, you know, even small, you know, smaller name bands, obviously the ones not. Well, Megaforce Records, yeah. I mean, Um, his influence in metal is, like I said, cannot be overstated. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, and from what I hear, he was one of the nicest guys. Obviously, I never met met him. I, I don't know if you did. You may have met him before, but I heard he was one of the nicest people. Like, he would always talk to people about, you know. Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting metal. Johnny Z right after Hurricane Sandy <laughs> at um, a benefit concert that he put together for the victims of Hurricane Sandy. Um, the Rods. I was going to get to that in a second, Jay. The um. Hold on, I'm losing my train of thought. Twisted Sister headlined the show. Um, so Johnny Z put that show on, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him. He raised a ton of money for Hurricane Sandy victims, and uh, he, he spent time with me talking. Anyway, we are getting some breaking news here. Jeremy Giambi has passed away. Former Major League player Jeremy Giambi has passed away at the age of 47. Giambi played for the Royals, A's, and Phillies. Obviously, he's the brother of the more famous Jason Giambi. Um we're getting a comment from a good friend of ours, Phil Stifle here. Rest in peace, Jeremy Giambi. I'm not seeing a cause of death here. Uh, da, 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 da. But yeah, breaking news. Jeremy Giambi has passed away. And on that note, that gets us into our next segment that we call the rundown, where we kind of go into all the things that have happened over the last week. And we lost another former major leaguer just yesterday, I believe, Gerald Williams um, of Yankees and Atlanta Braves fame. Uh, Derek Jeter actually had announced in the Players' Tribune um, of Gerald Williams passing from cancer. I, I think he was just 55 years old, maybe 52. Um, so rest in peace, Gerald Williams. Derek Jeter said he was one of his best friends. So, I mean, <laughs> when it rains, it pours. All, Every day it seems like we're losing somebody, Jay. All of these guys, you know, much too young. It's it just – I mean, uh, unfortunately, the older you get – I mean, we're 45. The older we get, the more of these stories you hear. I mean, it's just – part of life and obviously um you know life is short and that's why i always say enjoy life every day like it's your last because you don't know you know when that time's going to be up you know and a lot of these guys obviously athletes uh you know they're you know they spend the majority of their you know some of them 20 years playing you know a sport especially in baseball obviously more you know a lot longer length of uh, career than football, the average, you know, span of, of a career. So, you know, like I said, rest in peace to all these. I mean, Gerald Williams, I, honestly, one of the probably most underrated players on that Yankees team, like during that, te- you know, during his time there. Yeah. I, I'm getting, I'm, Ken, Ken, Ken Rosenthal tweeted just a little bit ago, horrible news. Jeremy Giambi passed away today at his parents' home in Southern California. Uh, family request privacy at this difficult time. So unbelievable. Um, on another note, up, um, Tom Brady officially had called it quits. Tom Brady officially called it quits. I know that the rumors had come out the prior week that he retired, but now he himself has announced his retirement this past week. Um, so the legend, the GOAT, has retired. And I don't know if you saw, Jay, he was on that podcast, I think the night before last, where he said, never say never, when they asked if he might come out of retirement. So, I mean, yeah. I it's just crazy. Like, you know, obviously, you know, obviously we both agree that he's the goat, but like, 
it's kind of surreal because I I don't know what it's going to be like to have an NFL without Tom Brady because most of my life, like the last 20, what, four years, he's been there. So it's going to be crazy, like not having Tom Brady. And obviously, you know, we had uh, Ben Roethlisberger retire as well. Yeah, and ben, yeah we went through that. Field. I will say this, though, like when we talked about Ben Roethlisberger retiring and we talked about Brady because the media had announced his retirement, I'm not going to lie, in the days subsequent to that, I kind of started thinking that maybe, hey, Brady's not going to retire because he himself hadn't said it. Now he did. So call paint me shocked. I don't, you saw me tweet last week. Book it. Tom Brady's not retiring. Yeah. That was one of the <laughs> coldest didn't takes. Age well, but an hour later, he announced his retirement. <laughs> Talk about a take that didn't age well. <laughs> yeah, I spoke too soon. Anyway, on a more serious note, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Um, obviously, it's been going on about a week now, but former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit against the NFL, the, the Denver Broncos, and the Miami Dolphins uh, for racial discrimination. And, you know, saying imp imp inappropriate hiring practices for minorities. Dude, Jay, I know you've talked about it on other shows and we've talked about it off the air. Listen, I was big Brian Flores' biggest supporter. I think he was a great coach. I didn't like the fact that he was fired. I expressed that. I was upset as a Dolphins fan that Brian Flores was, was fired. Things did come out subsequent to the firing, you know, about him not really communicating with his coaches that, you know, his coordinators didn't even really know the game plan sometimes on game day that he, you know, he became his own thing. And and the Dolphins announced, you know, well, said upon announcing his firing that they were looking for a more collaborative environment. So the Dolphins appeared to have legitimate reasons for firing this guy, um, whether or not I liked it. I, so I don't think there was anything racial about it. So Brian Flores files this lawsuit based on that then goes after the Denver Broncos for not hiring him back in 2019 before the Dolphins hired him, saying that John Elway and his advisors showed up to an interview half in the bag after a night of drinking, disheveled, and that the interview was a sham. He also said his interview with the Giants a couple weeks ago was a sham. They ended up hiring Brian Dable. Um, he, you know, he showed text messages between him and Bill Belichick where Belichick said, oh, it looks like you got the job. Congratulations. But Bill Belichick apparently texted the wrong Brian. He was texting Brian Flores when he meant to text Brian Dayball. So Brian Flores is saying there's stuff going on behind closed doors, yada, yada. Dude, Jay, I'm sorry, dude. I know you might not agree with me. To me, it's all bullshit. I'm not saying that there aren't racial issues in the NFL, but if we're, it's to the point where we can't paint every single thing with this broad brush of racism. And the fact that the Texans, who Brian Flores was in the running for that job but didn't get it, the Texans – just hired Lovey Smith, a minority, right? A minority. A guy who, in my opinion, you could argue all day long is more qualified for the job than Brian Flores. He was just recently their defensive coordinator. He took the Bears to a Super Bowl, gets the job, and then rather than just simply congratulating Lovey Smith, Brian Flores says, oh, I'm glad they hired a minority, but the only reason they did that is because I had filed this lawsuit. To me, that just further, further denigrated any integrity Brian Flores has, because if you're going to stand for what you say you're standing for, then stand for it. Because now it just sounds like tit for tat, crybaby bullshit. You didn't get the job. Another minority did. And then what makes it worse is that the Dolphins ended up hiring a minority for their head coaching job, Jay. Dude, anyway, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously we kind of disagree a little bit on it, but I mean, the bottom line is I, I believe that 
the major issue here is the fact that the Rooney rule is is, is a joke. I, I didn't get a chance to get into that, yes. I, I think that's the main problem. And, and whether or not Brian Flores is 100% you know, spot on with, with what he's trying to say, that's a different story. I mean, I, I, I'm not inside. I don't have inside information. I'm not there. But what I can tell you is, and what is frustrating from a outsider's perspective, obviously I'm not a minority, but I – stand with them i honestly when you had a guy in josh mccown about to get a job you know and and you could say whatever you want to me i'm glad that they hired uh um lovey smith Smith. and i made the point that i don't care if they did it because of the fact of what brian flores did because to me that means that what he did was is helping a situation because a minority was hired. The point of the matter is, is though that the Houston Texans were going to hire Josh McCown, who, in my opinion, is nowhere near qualified. Who says they were going to hire Josh Josh McCown? They didn't hire Josh McCown. Aaron, they were they were going to. He was. That's just media rumors. No, it's not media rumors. It was true, Aaron. He was the he was the leading candidate for the job. Until this whole thing again, the leading candidate based on what the media told you, he didn't get the job. Aaron, he didn't get the job. But that's part of the problem. When you have a guy who Josh McCown gets an interview over somebody like anybody. Let, let, me, let me back up a minute because I, I didn't really get into it and I should have. You pointed it out. The Rooney rule, okay? So Brian Flores is, is saying that his interview with the Giants was a sham because the Giants were already going to hire Brian Daybold before they interviewed Brian Flores. Now, let's give the benefit of the doubt and say that that's the case because it may well be. I'm not saying that that's not true. The Giants have denied it, but I think there could be truth to that. But that doesn't mean the Giants are racist or that they did anything wrong. That's because of the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule requires an organization to interview at least two minority candidates from within the organization, I believe, and then another one from outside the organization, something along those lines, before they hire anyone. They don't have to hire a minority, but they have to interview a certain amount of minorities. So if the Giants had conducted their interview with Brian Dable before they interviewed Brian Flores, and Brian Dable slam dunked the interview, right? He said everything the Giants wanted to hear, and they already had a huge interest in him. Plus, he was the coach that they felt they needed to invigorate their offense, right? So he comes in, he slams dunks the interview, right? They might have hired him on the spot had the Rooney rule not existed, but they probably had to go behind closed doors and say, look, we love Brian Dable. This is the guy we want to hire, but we have to interview a minority candidate because if we don't, we're going to forfeit draft picks and we're going to be fined. So they go ahead with the Brian Flores interview. So maybe in that sense, it is a sham interview because they were already going to hire Brian Dable. But is that the Giants' fault or is that the fault of the rule? Because like I said, if the rule didn't exist, they would have just hired the guy then and there. And this is all, again, assumptions. That's not to say that maybe they interview Brian Flores and he comes in and slams dunks it. He comes out of nowhere and surprises the shit out of them and, and overtakes it, right? That's possible, too. Where does racism come into play? And now, Jay, I know for a fact, you love John Elway. You've always told me he's like your favorite player for years. Because, you know, I've always been a Marino guy. And I remember even back in the day, I'm an Elway guy. I'm an Elway guy. So even you're going to sit here and tell me that John Elway's racist now? It gets to a certain point where you have to say enough is enough. You have to, Jay. You can't consistently paint everyone and every organization as racist Every time something happens that a certain individual doesn't like. The bottom line is Brian Flores did get a head coaching job in the NFL. 
This is a guy who had a head coaching job. What? This isn't a guy that never got – he had a head coaching job. He was fired. Whether or not he likes the reasons, whatever. He still had a head coaching job. And had he not filed the lawsuit, he might have another one now. Again, that doesn't make anybody racist. How could a team that's actively either being sued by him or, in the Houston, Texas case, could have been in the, in the future being sued by him because that was still on the table, right, and he's suing the NFL – how can any organization potentially hire a guy that they might be facing litigation from? Again, doesn't make you racist. Brian Flores could have just accepted his circumstances, took his credentials on interviews, and he probably would have gotten a job because I personally believe that he was like a guy that a lot of teams would have wanted. But he, he did this. He did this. He made himself fucking poison for any team to go near him. And I, I can't sit here and say that the New York Giants organization is racist. Come on, man. This is a team. That has never, and I'm not a Giants fan. You know that. I, I hate that team. I hate them. But I'm I'm an honest person, dude. And then look at some of the great black personalities that have come from that organization. I, I didn't do enough research on it, but I'd love to hear Michael Strahan's take on it. I haven't. I, I would love to know that a guy that's a a black legend from that organization still participates in active events with that organization. Recently made the Hall of Fame, number retirement, Ring of Honor, blah blah blah. Does he think they're racist? Tiki Barber, another one. I mean, honestly, dude, I just can't see where Brian Flores is even coming from with this. And that's where I'm at with it, Jay. That's my opinion. I think Brian Flores took somebody like me that was a huge supporter and turned me against him. And I think I have an interesting perspective because I'm a Dolphins fan. Hey. Wait, which gets us into the other thing he said, which we'd be remiss not to mention, that he accused the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, of offering him $100,000 to throw games. Now, that is a whole separate issue from the racial thing. If that's true, that has nothing to do with racism, but it does have to do with felony criminal activity. Jay. And that's a whole different thing. If that's the case, Stephen Ross could potentially face jail time, in my opinion. Certainly should sell the team. But again, is it true? We don't know. And it certainly seems less, less likely to be true when I'm losing the, the thought that Brian Flores has any credibility by the day, because I go back to this Lovey Smith situation. Why wouldn't you just say, that's great. They hired a minority instead of saying, Oh, well, I'm glad they hired a minority, but they only didn't hire me because of my stop. Shut up. You just lost all credibility. You lost all credibility Flores. I'll await your rebuttal. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, ju I just think, yeah, I think it's hard to really, I mean, I'd like to see where this lawsuit goes. I don't think he's going to get anywhere with it, honestly. But if he believes that he's fighting for a bigger cause and if he really believes in his mind that there are issues, and I, I, I believe there still are. Are we where we need to be as far as hiring minorities? Absolutely not, Aaron. And if you're going to tell me we are, then, then you're crazy. Because whether or not you, we, me and you agree on this, there's still an issue with, and, and, and I'll go back to the Josh McCown thing. You could call it what you want to call it. You could say it's media speculation. He still had a freaking interview, Aaron. Eric the enemy has not had an interview yet. Okay. That to me is bullshit. Okay. You want to talk about bullshit? It's so easy to say Aaron, that though, when you're not in these closed Aaron, door meetings. come on now. It, 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 be realistic. And even, and okay, even people, if I'm going to agree. There's a lot of there... people saying this, Aaron. Josh okay, McCown's never even been a coach on any level, even high school. 
Fair enough. But what does that have to do with Brian Flores? It has nothing, nothing to do with Brian Flores. I'm talking about other people that could okay, have been interviewed. But that doesn't mean that doesn't make Brian Flores is lost you're, you're any less frivolous. Situation. You're dodging what I'm talking about. No, I'm, I'm not, not talking about Brian Flores. I'm talking about other play, people having an opportunity for a job. But Jay, you're, I I, I don't. I'm wrong. to the point. Brian Flores' lawsuit is frivolous. You're talking about a guy who did have a head coaching job. And if we're going to get into all this other stuff, I'm not going to sit here and say every organization is racist. I'm just I'm not, not going to do it. And I've heard I heard Tiki Barber. I See, you're, you're missing the point, Aaron. I'm not at all because I'm going to get to your point. I'm not saying – no, you're not. You're not letting me talk. I I'm let listening. you talk for 20 minutes, I'm dude. I'm listening. 20 minutes. I'm listening. Okay? So give me a break here. Okay? I didn't I'm say listening. it was racist. I said – minorities are still not where they need to be as far as holding jobs in a league that is run by white owners. White owners, okay? 32 teams, 32 white owners. Okay? okay. That's a fact. So if you're going to sit there and say that racism, systemic racism doesn't exist in all walks of life, you're wrong because it's But, Jay, here's fun. the thing. I'm not disagreeing. I think we're two, talking about two totally different things here. Yes, are there room? Is there room for improvement? Are there examples That's of racism? That's what I'm saying. Yes, but we're simply talking about Brian Flores's lawsuit here, and okay. I think it's ridiculous. If the, if there's any guy that has no leg to stand on the foul lawsuit of this sort, it's Brian Flores. And again, if the interviews he went on with the Broncos and the Giants were shams, blame the Rooney Rule. Don't blame the fucking teams that conducted the interviews. And guess what else? Again, I, I was kind of going to go respond to you, but you didn't let me, so I will now. I was listening to Tiki Barber this week on WFAN in New York. I'm pretty sure, I, you know, I might have been catching it, you know, while I was doing other things, but I'm pretty sure the point he was making was we are seeing these changes. For example, a lot of head coaching jobs historically have gone to, like, former white quarterbacks, right? Quarterbacks. Oh, looks like I muted myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, what's the last thing you heard me say? Um, I heard you talking about Tiki Barber. So. Okay, yeah. So I was listening to Tiki Barber this past week, and he made what I thought were valid points. You know, we're talking about the league evolving, and I think we are seeing that. I think this whole thing that everybody's racist is just not is not true. See, you're, see this, Jay, is where, this is the third time I'm trying to say it. Are you going to let me say it? Listen to me. Tiki Barber made a very valid point. In the past, a lot of head coaching jobs have gone to guys that were white quarterbacks, right? It, we've seen that, like a Jim Aaron, Harbaugh. I right? heard you. Okay. Well, I now we're you. seeing a lot more black quarterbacks. We used to not see these black quarterbacks. So, in that sense, the league's already evolving. This is Tiki Barber that said it, a former black NFL player. Okay. okay? Not that. So that. Okay. So, we've already seen the evolution in that sense. What makes you think that that's not going to automatically lead to a lot of these guys maybe being head coaches in the future? Like Rome wasn't built in a day, dude. Think if things are evolving. I don't think everybody's racist. And you're right, there are a lot of old, you know, good old boy owners, but that's just the cards were dealt. Those are the billionaires that bought the teams. But I think even those guys are making greater efforts for diversity. I really do. And who's to say that a black billionaire can't come along one day and get a team? I mean, I think we're getting there. 
I, I mean, honestly, I just think this is a situation where Brian Flores is choosing to, to fall on the sword at, for the league. And if that's his, that's his prerogative. If, if it, if it costs him jobs, that's on him. That's him. That's his own doing. And if he doesn't get hired now that yes, that is on him because he's, he's the one that's filing the lawsuit, but you can't be in Brian Flores' head, Aaron. You're not. But Nor am I, because we're not black, Aaron. We're not black Americans, so we cannot be. Well, I'm going to I'm going to respectfully disagree wholeheartedly. And with that's you fine. You could disagree. So we we agree to disagree on. We this agree one. to disagree on this one. I and love you. Okay, dude. we're, we're best friends. And, let's move on. Agree. Let's move on. Another thing that might get my ass burning a little bit. So the Washington football team or Washington Redskins has finally announced their new name, the Washington Commanders. What are your thoughts, Jay? I hate it. I can't stand it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I saw something funny. I, on I'm Twitter. not going to lie. I, I actually like Washington football team better than Washington. <laughs> I do too. I actually like Washington football team better than this. Dude, first of all, it sounds like an arena league team. It's a, or It sounds like so Bush league to me. Right? Doesn't it sound like something from like an arena league or XFL? Uh, I was going to say CFL, but yeah. yeah it's just, it, it's it so doesn't sound like an NFL name. not NFL and it, and and then I guess my second thought when I heard it was like, it's such an, it's so, there's so much irony in that they went from the Washington Redskins to now they're going to the Washington Commanders. Like in a sense of like, what is a commander? I agree. And I saw a funny joke on the internet. I mean, somebody said the Redskins changed their name to the, to the guys who murdered them. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking. That's yeah. where I was going with that. But what? I didn't want to say it, but you kind of did. I mean, crazy. I, I I couldn't believe now. Now that I actually like Washington Chris, Defenders. We Chris, have a comment here from Christopher Christopher Corrigan, Washington yes. Defenders. I would like that better Love than me. Commanders. I like that better. I or Washington like Generals. I just think sounds. Yeah, or they could have went to Washington Generals. Appropriate. Yeah, just Washington yeah. Commanders. You're in the capital, General George Washington. I I like that more. Washington Commanders is awful, dude. Yeah, awful, awful, awful. I have to admit, man. I, well, at least we agree on that one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. I love you. Washington yeah, president. I saw that one. I'm not loving that one. You know, I mean, there's so many other better ones than Washington Commanders. Washington Commanders, we can agree. When I heard it, I was like, is this a joke? Mm -hmm. I, I I saw an interesting thing today on New Jersey 101.5. Uh, a school in Wildwood has um. I don't know, a Native American name. I, I don't know. Maybe, I think maybe they're called the Warriors and they have like a, you know, Cleveland Indian style logo. And they actually contacted a Native American group about potentially changing the school name. And the Native American group actually said, no, they want the school to keep the name. They said we should remember the heritage, not eradicate it. Red Tails. That's that's a solid name. We have a friend of ours, Fred DeFeo, commenting. That's a I solid mean. name. Anything better than the commanders. Anything's that's, better than the commanders. <laughs> anyway, moving on. The MLB lockout continues, and pitchers and catchers is supposed to be a week away, dude. Oh, it's a warm week here in New Jersey, bro, and I'm looking for some baseball. I'm disgusted, dude. I, you and I both talked, and we said we both agreed that if this goes long and, and spring training's you know, either postponed or, or you know put off and, and, and the season starts – I am not going to be a happy camper at all. And you, of all people, being a Mets fan, when they go out and sign Scherzer and yep. they get uh, Starling Marte, I, 
I've seen videos of Starling Marte riding a horse in, in, wherever he in his country. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, I, dude. Like, and, and just no hope on the horizon. I am so frustrated, Aaron. I feel like we're back in COVID days. I feel like I feel like we had the same discussion a year ago today, or two Did years not, ago when we had the sixty game ago. season, which is crazy. Coming two years off a sixty game season, they should not even be fucking around right now. The, the fans want the sport. The sport's been hurt irreparably from COVID. Plus all the past bullshit with the 94 strike, the steroids. Baseball does not need this. They don't need this. It's a the fans don't me. care about it. Even if their players think they're standing for something, the fans don't care. They don't, they, they don't care about multimillionaires, you know, fighting over nonsense. They want to see the sport, you know? Uh, uh, really quick, another what baseball think, story. Wait, wait, real quick. Because I, I just had a thought and I don't want to lose it. What's Isn't that? it ironic that we just talked about on the last show about how the steroid situation with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens not being let in? Yes. How how the baseball how it basically saved baseball from that lockout, and now yes. here we are in another lockout. Well, you know, potential for a long term lockout. How ironic right. is that? And it's like it, it's almost like it's on deaf ears because. Do they not realize? Like, uh, I'm hoping happened? it's over this week. I mean, if it's not over in the next week, I heard. I heard the season's going to get delayed. I heard Ju June. I heard June first was. Where'd you hear that? Uh, it was the other day. Um, I forget who said. I, I I know I heard it from Phil. It was some pretty big guy from MLB said uh, he heard, he's hearing June first at the. But for the lockout to end or for when the season for the season start. start. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Be like that a happens, that's game irreparable. Season. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it, it. it's just, to me, both sides are being greedy on it. It's not just the owners. It's the players, too, because the players could give. It, there's just something there that's just, I don't know, man. It's it's out of control, dude. On, on another positive note, as a Mets fan, it's just it's so upsetting. Steve Cohen, the Mets' new owner, just announced that they're bringing back Old Timers Day. And they announced a date for it, and they have so many players that are attending alumni, like, Andy Chavez, Mike Piazza, John Matlock from the 69 Mets, Frank Thomas from the 62 Mets. He's 92 years old. He actually said he wants to take a lot of BP so he can hit a home run at City Field. He hit one at Polo Grounds and he hit one at Shea. So he said he wants to hit one at City. As a Mets fan, this is exciting stuff. Plus, like you said, signing, signing Scherzer and stuff. It's almost like the Mets ownership is ex existing outside of the lockout mentality and like getting the fans all pumped. And it's like, I can't believe this is happening, dude. It's it's got to stop. Let's play ball. You know, it's upsetting, dude. Anyway, another baseball news. Did you hear about the Tyler Skaggs trial going on, Jay? I did, and then I heard the uh, the latest report about Matt Harvey. Uh, yeah. So for those that don't remember, Tyler Skaggs was the Angels' young superstar pitcher that died of a drug overdose in his hotel room two years ago. Actually, choked on his own vomit. While he was sleeping, he had like oxycodone and fentanyl and alcohol in his system. Um, the long story short of it all, they're saying now in the trial for the guy that supplied him the drugs who used to work for the squad, they're saying that Matt Harvey might have been a source to give him the pills, which is crazy. Dude, here it is. Um Matt Harvey was named as a possible drug source for former Angels teammate Tyler Skaggs on Tuesday by Eric Kay's defense attorney on the first day of Kay's trial in connection 
to Skaggs' death per ESPN's TJ Quinn. Kay was the former Angels Communications Director. He's on trial. Uh, um, a Texas federal grand jury indicted him on two counts in the overdose of Skaggs. He, the indictment charged Kay with distributing the fentanyl that caused Skaggs' death. Dude, the bottom line is, I, I mean, I guess right now there's kind of nothing to see here because all the evidence points to Kay having supplied not only Skaggs with the drugs, but other players. The guy was a drug dealer, bro. And he was away from the Angels for a month or two prior to this for, to treat his own oxycodone addiction. But the fact that Matt Harvey's name is getting dragged into it with everything Harvey's been through is not a good look. Not a good look. So I guess nothing really to say here except we'll see what happens. You know? NBA trade deadline. Yeah, so right. I know that's a big deal for you with your Ben yeah, Simmons. Yeah, well, I mean, just talk. It, to me, it's so frustrating because, you know, obviously – 99.9% .9 of Sixers fans want Simmons out. Obviously, he doesn't want to be there. Who would want a player that doesn't want to play on the team? He's basically been a crybaby. He's, you know, choosing not to play, even though he has, you know, $160 million contract. So, bottom line is, you have James Harden, who is in, in New Jersey, and he's also himself unhappy. Of course, he's not at the point where Ben Simmons is. He has been playing. However, the last couple of days, they've sat him out, and they're saying it's because of an injury, but uh, he was able to practice. So, to me, it seems like they're sitting him out for a potential trade. Um, obviously, nothing's happened as of yet. Um, I guess as a Sixers fan, obviously, I want James Harden at all costs, but obviously, you know, there's only one player to me that would be untouchable, and that's obviously Joel Embiid because – He's probably the top three player in the NBA. But to me, to get a guy of James Harden's caliber, I think a lot of, you know, Sixers fans are not – I don't know if they're thinking clearly because a lot of them are saying, oh, we don't want to give up this player or we don't want to give up that player. But but I kind of said it on another podcast that I, as, as, a, as a commenter. If, if you're a baseball team I, – I just said I, – I just picked the Phillies because that's my home team. I said if you're the Phillies and you have the opportunity to get a top five – major league baseball player in the league top five right mm -hmm. are you going to trade alec boom your number one prospect i am i, sure. I mean even if sure. alec boom to me is a blue chip guy that is almost guaranteed to be a star in the league yeah i'm giving him up because you're getting a guy that's a superstar but i, I don't know i just see a lot of people that don't want to you know they're like i don't want to do this i don't want to do that well, i'll do this and it's like dude it's james harden I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah, I mean, different. It's, it's something that could really push the Sixers to a championship, I think. Yeah, and that's where I, that's where I'm at. And I think, to me, you want to maximize Joel, Joel Embiid's prime. Yeah, his MVP with, season. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe I'm just thinking off the cusp, and you know, maybe that's why I differ in opinion. But that's why I, I, I think it also depends on wh where the Nets are going to end up with this. I think they're going to have like a heart to heart with Harden. Hey, are you our guy? You know, because otherwise they're risking losing him for nothing. He's going to be a free agent. So we'll see. And the Knicks, I mean, the, the Knicks, the Nets, the Nets lost nine in a row. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. So Flyers hired Danny Breer, too. Yes, we got a, a commenter here. Assistant for yep, GM. Yep. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I know you're not a super big basketball fan, and obviously I've become more of a fan 
just being able to watch Joel and B. I don't know if you watched. I mean, I, I know you don't watch it normally, but I'm sure you see highlights of the guy. And it's just amazing to have a player of that caliber. Right, he's unbelievable. Town. It's like amazing to me. I've, I've become like a huge, you know, obviously <laughs> I'm back to watching the Sixers again. There you go. I'm glad. I'm glad, dude. Especially fo football's done for us and who knows what's going to happen with baseball. So at least you have something to hang your hat on. Exactly. I'm jealous. <laughs> anyway, brother, Super Bowl Sunday. It has arrived. Two underdogs. We got the underdog Cincinnati Bengals. First time being in the big dance since 1988 season when they had Icky Woods and Boomer Esiason. Team won four games last year. Their superstar rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow, missed most of the season with a torn ACL. Comes back and has a chance to, in three years, win a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, and a Super Bowl. Do you have any idea how crazy that is? And that's with missing most of a season with a torn ACL in the middle. That's crazy, Jay, that he's about to accomplish that. Then on the other side, Matthew Stafford, former number one draft pick who toiled in Detroit with garbage around him from his whole career for the most part. You know, had a couple stars here and there, but for the most part, nothing, right? Finally, sees greener pastures, gets traded to the Rams. And in one year, the first year, he finds himself in the big dance. Dude, if you have two stories here. You all... You could go either way with which one is the better storybook ending. So who you got? Well, we already know who you got because you kind of picked Well, you know I made my big, bold prediction on the you show. You made a bold prediction <laughs> on the show. We actually clipped We know I got the Bengals. We know I got well, the Bengals. We know Aaron has the Bengals. Um, I'm obviously going a different route in this game. And, and that's not because I don't like Joe Burrow, and that's not because I don't think you know, the Bengals have great talent because honestly, you just nailed it. Like they're one of the most young, talented teams, you know, in the NFL. I think if you look at these two teams, you couldn't find a more, more disparity in the philosophies that how that, how these teams were built. You have the Bengals who 99% were built through the draft. And then on the other side, you have the Rams who basically have traded all their first round picks from like the past 10 years to get top tier talent. And so they've built their team through trades and free agency. But if you look at them both, you're right. They're both filled with underdog stories, but also stories of guys that are, you know, have superstar potential. Both have high flying offenses. I mean, you talked about the, the Bengals, the Rams don't, I mean, I, I, I know, you're obviously not a huge Odell Beckham fan, but Odell Beckham's actually been an excellent addition to the Rams. Um, oh, he has. Playing really I'll good football. Um, but to me, I, the reason that I'm going with the Rams, well, not only am I rooting for them, but the reason I believe they're going to win is the experience factor. And also, I think that the connection that Joe Burrow has with Jamar Chase, I think – the connection that Stafford has with Cup is that even that much better. Like if you look at Jamar Chase and 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 Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase is like a boomer bust type player. Like if you looked at, looked at his game by game um, stat lines, he'll have like one game where he has twelve catches for one hundred and seventy yards and 
two touchdowns. And then the following week, he'll have three catches for 34 yards. Whereas Cooper Cup, if you look at him, in my humble opinion, and I'm sure you probably agree with me, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. Like all, overall, no question about it. No question. Receiver. I do think you're downplaying um, Chase a little bit. Not downplaying him. And, well, what hear I'm me out. I'm, I'm not what I'm saying downplaying. is what I'm saying is don't forget the Rams have Jalen Ramsey, who is the number one cornerback. He might he might be an already top ten all time cornerback in the NFL. No doubt about He's it. He's going to be covering. No Jamar doubt, but that's kind of where I, was I don't going. think Jamar Chase is actually going to be the, the difference maker if the Bengals do win. Because I think what the Rams will do is look to limit Jamar Chase. And that's However, exactly the point I was about to make. It's not so much that Jamar Chase has been a boomer bust guy. It's just they have a lot of depth at wide receiver. T. Higgins has been an absolute beast, Jay. Uh, I agree. Am I right? I agree. <laughs> I, I, I guess where I'm at with this is that the, bang, the Bengals' offensive line is probably the weak link. We both absolutely that, right? the big thing that's going to happen here is is to me it all is going to come down to is Joe Burrow going to have time to be Joe Burrow? I will give you that a hundred percent. That's going to be the game here. Is Joe Burrow going to have time? But the sick the sick thing is we've seen that when he doesn't have time, the Bengals have been able to pull it off. Look at the game against the Titans. I think we sucked twelve times, and even last week, what an amazing win they had, and it was because they made a complete adjustment in the second half against the Chiefs, where they were playing you know eight men deep and and just completely taking all the Chiefs receivers out of the game. And you could tell Pat Mahomes was completely uncomfortable. They made that adjustment. So we shall see. The Bengals have been able to persevere with a less than stellar offensive line. Yeah, I, I mean, regardless of the situation, I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, obviously, we both have our own picks. I mean, you're picking the Bengals now. Uh, what 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 score do you? I have? guess well, before we go on, you I guess the big thing I was trying to get at. I, I'm not taking anything away from Cooper Cup, but I think Matthew Stafford's had this connection with Cooper Cup, where it's really just 90% Cooper Cup. Obviously, Beckham's gone in there and he's done a few things, but it kind of reminds me of when it was Stafford to Megatron. Dude, think about it. Megatron had like that monster epic all-time season in Cooper Cup with Stafford. Megatron to Stafford, you know, Stafford to Megatron, and here it's like an instant replay with Stafford to Cooper Cup. So I, it's, I'm not downplaying it at all. I just think the Bengals spread it around a little bit more. That's all. I think this, I'm not th – that's really it. I mean, Jamar Chase – and keep in mind, Jamar Chase is a rookie. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen. guy's done. And he's come on strong lately. Listen, you know, Jamar so. Chase is a nice piece, but I'm not going to compare him to Cooper Cup. Like, nah, of course not. Cooper it's Cup's unfair been, to – it's Cooper unfair Cup, to either player to do that. You know, has done this for the last three years. At this year, it's just been like almost on steroids. I love like, Cooper Cup. <laughs> honestly, like for a second round pick, I mean, Jamar Chase was the number one wide receiver. Taken. Absolutely. And Agreed. usually, uh, I'm not usually. A lot of the times, the number one wide receiver taken ends up being a bust or not the best. Many in the times, many times. Because look, the year that J uh, Justin Jefferson was drafted, he was the fourth wide receiver. Remember, Tedjin Junior. Tedjin. Yeah, Ring a bell? <laughs> well, Henry Ruggs was the number one wide receiver taken the year that Justin Jefferson went as the number four wide receiver. And mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson is by far the best wide yeah. receiver in that yeah, class. Of course. I mean, yeah. it happens all the time. But my point is, is that a lot of times this shows you that wide receivers take some time to develop because Cooper Cup obviously didn't just come out in year one and do this. 
I also see with jo- with Jamar Chase, you can't deny that he has that connection with Burrow c- coming from LSU. Absolutely. And I guess where I'm going is that there's also T Higgins. The guy's a super, a superstar. That's where I'm going. You know, they have two superstar wide receivers. So I don't think it's a matter of like, oh, Cooper Cup is so much better than Jamar Chase. There's two guys here that have both had monster seasons. That's all I'm saying. Stafford's kind of more just cup, cup, cup all day. I think, I think the difference maker is going to be obviously. I always go with intangibles, and I look at coaching. In a Super Bowl, the coach is very, very important. And don't forget, the Rams were just there a couple years ago, and they lost. So they tasted no defeat against the Patriots. You know Sean McVay is going to learn from his mistakes. I agree. So my point is, is that's where I see the Rams having the edge, and that's why I'm taking the Rams. And I'm rooting for the Rams because I, although I love Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow has a, a much longer career than Matt Stafford left. I and agree. Matt Stafford, to me, is a guy that I realistically am rooting for because I believe that a lot of people have been down on him. And That's unfairly, because he was on the Detroit Lions, and a lot of people say, oh, yeah, but he had Megatron. He only had Megatron for two or three years. And if you looked at Seven all years out of nine. But, but if you out, of nine, out of nine years, Megatron played seven with Stafford. But, yes, I get your point. <laughs> well, they had nobody else. Yes. Their defense was terrible. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So, and, you know, that being said, what I, I, I was, was going to ask your score, but I wanted to say one more thing. I guess, like, for me, I just for, – for me, the reason I'm rooting for the Bengals is a multitude of reasons. we got Chris Corrigan saying, go Bengals. I'm with you, Chris. For me, it's just not about just the quarterbacks. It's a multitude of reasons. To me, it's about the franchises. I just think the Bengals, to me, are like the Browns in the sense that, like, I want to see them win. Like, if the Browns were there, I'd feel the same way. I just feel like the fan bases are starving. Starving fan bases. Did you see um, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports made that tweet prematurely when the um, Chiefs had taken that big early lead? And he said, anybody who thinks the Bengals had a chance in this game knows nothing about football. That tweet didn't age well. Two hours later, Bengals are winning. And and then, to, to his credit, Portnoy posted that video of those Bengals fans in that bar going crazy when the game ended. They were dancing on the bar, hooting and hollering. It was crazy. And he goes, this is what's so great about sports, that it can do this to a community, make a t- make fan f- fans feel this way, blah, blah, blah. And he's absolutely right. And the Bengals, man, they have been terrible for so long. So to me, I get the whole Stafford argument 100%. But, it, I, but it's not just that for me. It's, it's the franchises. I want to see the Bengals win. And I just think the Joe Burrow thing just adds to it because, like I said, Coming off the ACL, and then like what he's a, what he might be able to accomplish so early in his career is is really kind of like setting him up like on a Brady esque trajectory. I mean, just it's insane to think that in a three year period with an ACL tear mixed in there that he's about to win a Heisman Trophy, win a national championship, and win a Super Bowl potentially. That's crazy to me. What what a way to start your life. Your young football career. I mean, it's crazy, but we'll see. You can't go wrong either way. But that being said, I got the Bengals. My final score prediction, I'm going to say 34-27 Cincinnati. And I got 34-27 Rams. That's oh! Crazy. Oh! Is that really what you were going to say? <laughs> yeah, as soon as you said it, I had 34-27. So we got 34-27 going the other way. We shall see. I'm looking forward to it, fun. Jay. What what are we putting up? What what are we, we got to do a small wager here? 
Okay. I'm um, gonna have to wear something Dolphins on a, on an upcoming show, or you'll have to wear something Eagles. How about that? Or is that not? How about Eagles? this? Since it's about to be baseball season, I'll wear something Phillies. You'll wear something Mets. Okay, that's fine. The loser. All right. Yep. That works for me. Okay. Anyway, it's time. It's that Four. time, Jay. You Four. know what time it is, don't you? It's time for the picks, picks of the week. The week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Guess what? I want you to go first this week. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you want me to go first. So, obviously, you saw the title of the show is Underdog. And obviously, we talked about a lot of underdog stories in this show, uh, including Johnny Zizola, who was an underdog in his own Absolutely. right. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow and the Bengals being underdogs. Um, my pick of the week is actually called The American Underdog, and it was a movie uh, that just recently came out. I believe it came out on Christmas Day, and it's basically based on Kurt Warner's uh, story uh, and how he, you know, obviously came from, you know, his, his whole life story of him be, being a football player. Um, obviously, he was um, bagging groceries, and then he went from being gr bagging groceries to winning a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, so you can't get much more underdog than that. Um, he's actually the perfect underdog story. I mean, a guy that really came out of nowhere at, you know, a little bit older than, you know, your typical quarterback. And, you know, to obviously have a Hall of Fame career. I mean, that to me is just amazing. And this movie was an absolute tearjerker. Like, I took my mom and we were both crying. Like, that's – it was legitimately, like, a lot of this stuff I didn't even know about Kurt Warner. Because, like, you know, obviously you know Kurt Warner, the football player, but you don't know every single thing that happened. You know, obviously how he met his wife and, um, you know, his kid uh, being blind. That, 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 I mean, that, I didn't know that. I didn't even I know, didn't know that. that. Yeah. Um, so, like, just a lot of really crazy things that happened to him, like, and, and his wife uh, along this journey. And, it's definitely excellent, you know, excellent production. It wasn't like one of those sports movies that you watch and you say, ah, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times, you know, they get all this hype and then you go and it's like, why did I even watch it? No, this was really a really good movie. And like I said, it was a tearjerker, great story, and you can't get much more underdog than Kurt Warner. So that's my pick of the week, American Underdog. That's a great pick of the week. And totally on point. All right. I'm up. I am up. And guess what my pick of the week is? It's also a sports movie. And it's up for an Oscar. And I know you're a Philly guy. And it's a guy that we both have loved for many, many years. Even going back to his days as the Fresh Prince. Will Smith's latest movie, King Richard. He plays Serena and Venus Williams' father. Highly recommend. I'm not a big tennis guy. But his performance in this movie is phenomenal, Jay. Phenomenal. And it's an excellent movie. And I, I don't want to reveal too much about the movie except to say that Will Smith's performance is unbelievable. Again, he's up for an Oscar. Check it out. King Richard is my pick of the week. Will Smith, Serena and Venus Williams story. Check it out. That's my pick of the week, Jay. Dude, you're on point because I've been wanting to see that movie and I forgot about it. Yeah, definitely check it out. Actually, anyway, dude, I, I, it was a great show. I apologize, guys. I bumped my, the mute button mid-show. I don't know how I did it. I didn't even notice it. <laughs> I was like, 
can't hear. Can't yeah, hear. I didn't even. I, I took a minute I to figure that. it out because I didn't know I did it. Anyway, so sorry about that. But as always, it was a great show. Once again, make sure you guys check out our sponsor, La Terrain Watches. That's L A T O U R A I N E dot com. You're going to go to LaTerrain.com. Use our promo code at checkout, SNM, for sports and metal. You're going to save 10% off your purchase. Right here. There it is. Also, don't forget, check out our website, www.sportsandmetal.com. Looks like it's getting a little windy where you are, Jay. That was my dog. <laughs> there you go. So Cody. check out our website, www.sportsandmetal.com. Uh, also, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, your mother's ass, <laughs> as uh, Victor Botetto always says. Check us out at Sports and Metal. Um, and check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Check us out. Also, when you go to www.sportsandmetal, you can check out our blog. We have a lot of cool material there you can check out. And as always, you know, it was a great show. And we look forward to seeing you next week. You have anything you want to add, Jay? No, it's just always a pleasure working with you, my brother. Uh, as always, man, I love you, once, Jay. Once Absolutely. a week. It's, it's one of the great opportunities, like, beings that Aaron and I have been best friends for, you know, we're 45. We've been best friends for 44 years of our life. <laughs> True. Um, and, you know, obviously we're both busy. You know, you're married, you have kids, you, you own a business, and I work retail. So we don't get to see each other on a in-person basis, but this actually allows us to see each other once a week, and it's great, and I love it. I love, you know, going to battle with you and, you know, Absolutely. It's, it's a blast. And we, like I said, we promise to bring you the best in both sports and metal on every week, every show. We want your feedback. If there's something you want us to cover, please tell us because, you know, we're always looking for new ideas. And, you know, we are going to be trying to launch some uh, merchandise, you know, in the near future. Obviously, we've had a little issues there, but uh, that's, you know, something we are looking at and, uh, as I said, as Aaron said, we're, you know, we're just happy to be here and we thank you for your support because without you guys, you know, we're nothing. So, yeah. So please hit us up. You have any questions, you have bands you want us to talk about anything, just hit us up. Um, I mean, I Joe? guess that's it. Thank that you. We got Joe Bucci, a good friend of ours chiming in. Well done. Appreciate it, Joe. Anyway, guys out there, have a good week, be safe, be warm. And hopefully uh, baseball's here soon enough with the stupid lockout. And as always, Rock on. Peace out. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more sports and metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Woo, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sportsandmetal.